Hi, welcome to Culture Hacker. My name is Shane Green, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour as we get into this whole idea of culture and how to reprogram the employee experience. On today's show, I've got Kevin Rickliffs calling in from CHG Healthcare. Uh, They're going to talk about this whole idea of reprogramming their company culture, and you're going to hear some amazing results and how they've really done some cool things to impact their employee experience. I've also got Ray Tenenbaum calling in from Great Hires, a software platform a technology company that's doing some really cool stuff in reimagining, reprogramming the whole interview experience. So some really great insights coming from Ray. Before we get over to our interviews, let's talk a little bit about what's in the news. And of course, we focus on culture. I was reading uh, Fox Business uh, sort of the other day, and they were talking about Zillow. I'm not sure if you've heard of this uh, company, real estate database company based out of San Jose. And they were using them as an example of whether or not culture and how the employees feel about coming to work really does make a difference. And there was an element in there that I thought was absolutely fascinating and really does highlight how critical this is. You see, when you're focusing on this whole idea of where to invest your dollars, do I buy shares? Do any investors really think about a company culture? Well, maybe it's time they did. And that's exactly what this article started to talk about. Because if you look at someone like Zillow, I think it's ranked like the fourth best technology company to work for. Fantastic uh, element focus on employee experience. And as a result, if you kind of look at their glass door results, they're off the charts. And you know, people just uh, would recommend Zillow to a friend and they really like their CEO. The bottom line of this article was that they said, hey, while it might not be the only thing to focus on, understanding that culture impacting how someone feels about coming to work is going to have a financial implication. If people feel good about who they do it for, the company they work for and what they're doing, you're going to see turnover go down, retention go up. That's a pretty good thing. It saves us some money. But more importantly, you're going to see your employees take care of your customers better and basically perform at a higher level. So at the end of the day, this idea of company culture which I think has gone beyond just an HR thing. It is now the business thing. And that I think every manager, owner, executive out there needs to be looking and seeing how do my employees feel about coming to work. So if I think about this idea of culture, this mindset and attitude, we have to start doing a better job of the employee experience. What are we doing as an organization to make our people feel better about coming to work each day? And really that's the basis of Culture Hacker. Our ability to go in and look at all the different mechanisms that helps us reprogram this employee mindset. Because if we don't get a better workplace experience, your best and brightest are going to walk out the door. Your customers are going to be dissatisfied because the person taking care of them is really ticked off at life. And the bottom line is you're going to have an employee group that underperforms. So culture hacker reprogramming the employee experience it's about not only making the employee base feel good it's about your investors it's about your shareholders your owners it's about overall company health so with that in mind let's uh, get kevin on the phone i'll be right back with kevin rickliffs from chg healthcare So I'm very excited today on our Culture Hacker podcast. Uh, we've got Kevin Rickliffs, and again, Kevin, the Senior Vice President of Talent Management for CHG Healthcare. Now, these guys based out of Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, I probably considered one of the premier staffing partners uh, for hospitals and healthcare organizations nationwide. They've got about five healthcare staffing brands under them, so a lot of people to sort of deal with. But what I'm most excited about is that these guys really get culture, and I'm excited to get Kevin talking about his culture of putting people first. 
What's the outcome? Well, these guys seem to have got it done. Fortune, 100 best companies to work for. They did it again in 2016, but I think that's like seven years in a row. The, one of the best places to work for for millennials. I saw number 30 on the list. Fantastic. And then training. Seems like a hot button. Number three on the training top 125 for this year. Kevin, I could probably keep going with the awards, but let's get into it. Welcome to Culture Hacker. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on your podcast. Well, listen, we're very excited to have you here. You guys sound like you're doing some amazing things over there. So CHG Healthcare, let's jump right in. You, you've, you go to your website. I've heard you talk. This whole culture of putting people first, it seems like the focus of everything. So culture is important. Tell us, how does it come about and why is culture this rallying cry for you guys? Yeah, so for us, culture is really about the employee experience. And so we believe that, that you know, everyone has a culture. A culture is a way that you run the business. And as, as, as most of your listeners know, it's a set of norms, the process, the rules, how the relationships you build. It's how people interact in an organization. And so culture can either be posit a positive experience for the employees or a negative experience. And, and about 15 years ago, we decided to, to find a way to make positive, that the culture of a company to be a positive experience for people. And we felt that if we could do that, we can increase the engagement of our employees and ultimately be more, much more competitive in our marketplace. And so ultimately, we've worked tirelessly for the, for the last 15 years on how do we create the best experience for our employees. Well, listen, I, I, I'm excited to get into some of those ways you're doing it, but let's take a step back. So you kind of said it was a, a focus about business. So your customers inside and outside the organization, have they seen the benefits? I mean, you're getting these awards. So in terms of your business, how has this focus on culture really improved the business and really probably you know, made your customers so ecstatic? Oh, absolutely. It makes our customers, uh, it uh, creates a huge value for our customers. So, so healthcare staffing is a relationship business. It's about finding healthcare providers who are willing to go work with uh, clients that we have, hospitals, healthcare uh, providers, or healthcare systems. And, and so it's about connecting with, with individuals, connecting with our clients, connecting with our pro providers. And we believe that, in, that engaged employees really are a competitive advantage in that. So we build a great relationship uh, with our employees if we give them a voice, if we create the relationships through, through open and honest two-way communications, then we're setting the tone for, for what, how they interact with our, with our clients. And ultimately, if, if we're open and honest and we create this, this, this experience for them where they, have, they feel like they can go out and make the best attempt and the best uh, relationships with their providers, because they're getting it at work, what actually happens is they go do that. And because of that, we have built incredible relationships. And ultimately, the customer service piece of it is, is embedded in those relationships that we have with our clients and our providers. Listen, I, I think you're preaching here to the choir, but I got to say, I, I talk to a lot of HR executives out there, and they're probably listeners of us, and they're going, listen, Kevin, we get this. We, we absolutely agree. Yet I've got this owner, I've got this boss, I've got the CEO who keeps talking to me about this whole ROI of investing in the employee experience. What would you say to them? Give, give me your sort of take on this. If you're talking to somebody who goes, ROI, does this thing really work? You guys seem to have done it. Help us out here. How do we overcome the person who really just looking for a stat or a, or a number to prove this investment worthwhile? 
Yeah, and, and I think the number really is is in uh, studies that have been done outside of of, of of each company. And so if you look at the list of 100 best companies, almost every company on that list leads the industry in profitability, in production. So, so currently we grow about twice as quickly as our industry. And so if you think about the financial results of growing twice as quickly as everyone else in your industry, it is such a competitive advantage that getting it down to an ROI of each individual program is very, very hard. But getting it down in, 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 in a way that, that shows the executive and shows senior leadership that you are growing more quickly is, is paramount in this and making the connection to the overall success of the company. The other way that we've done it is, uh, is through uh, the measurement of turnover. And so we are in an industry that, that has about 50 to 60% turnover a year. Very costly for an organization to have 50 to 60% turnover a year. But all our competitors and all the industry has about that. So we were, when we started this in 2001, we had about 50% turnover. And over the course of the last 15 years, uh, we have continued to lower that turnover, which really means we, we're keeping employees and we're keeping them engaged at work which really is the driver for financial results. So in 2016, we will end the year about 15% turnover, which is about 75% less than, than the industry. And, wow. and, if, and, you know, as HR professionals, we can calculate the cost of the hard costs of hiring and training and, 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 and losing people along the way. But there's also all those soft costs, which, which is about keeping people longer. So the tenure, we have higher tenure than most of our competitors. In a relationship business where, where the key driver is the relationships we build with providers and, and, and clients, it becomes a huge competitive advantage to keep those relationships and keep people in their seats engaged. Listen, you know, congratulations again. Now, I got to say, you're, you're sort of the Senior Vice President of Talent Management, so I, I, I'm going to give it to you that you probably get all the accolades, but you're, you're certainly uh, uh, a key facilitator. But the reality is culture, there's this whole support and this whole, um, you know, facilitation and, and making a great culture. It can't be just an HR thing. So, you know, talk about within your organization, how deep does the support system go to really make culture the main thing? Uh, when we began, uh, clearly it needed to start with the CEO and the executive team. So the CEO and the COO of our organization wanted to drive turnover down. And that was really the catalyst of, of looking into engagement. But over the years, I would say we've actually expanded to, to every employee. So culture is everyone's ex responsibility because it really, in our opinion, is about the employee experience. And everyone contributes to the employee experience. And so we, as part of our training and development cycle, we train the, the employees how to build a good culture, what we mean by a good culture. We also spend a lot of time with leaders on, on building culture. And so we have a year-long program uh, for leadership development that almost exclusively you know, teaches people leadership, how to interact with employees, how to talk to employees, how to have dialogue with employees, how to show employees uh, to, or how to help grow and develop your employees. And all that has built this, 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 this engine where everyone in the company is always thinking about how to make the company better how to make the culture better. And, and so it really is everyone's responsibility. I just have the, uh, the, the, the job of helping 
show a direction, and so to, and and the people report to me in, in HR. But ultimately, everyone owns the culture, and once we get to that point, then you have everyone aligned in the right direction. Fantastic! Some some great advice. So listen, we know that when you're you know you you take on this task, and I think you mentioned 15 years ago, you started down this path. So you know we know that evolving or changing culture. First of all, it's not an impossible task, but it does take time. Through those 15 years, what do you think the biggest challenges were that you came up against? And can you give us some insight? How did you overcome them? Where, where was some sort of some of these success points of really getting everybody engaged in your culture? Yeah, for us, uh, you know, some of the success points started right at the beginning. So, so when we decided to look at, at how to lower turnover, which was really the business uh, obstacle we were trying to solve, you know, before we started calling it culture and engagement, um, we went to the employees. We went to the leaders, but we also went to the employees and asked them their opinion. And during 2002, when we began to do this, what we learned is the employees really wanted to help us grow. And so through the years, we've, we've continued to focus on building a culture of feedback where we give the employees every opportunity to have a voice in the company and continue to give us feedback and continues to help us be better, which was really one of those catalyst things from the beginning that really helped us to grow. Um, the other big piece for me was um, over over time changing the leadership, uh, changing the view of what leaders believe their jobs were, that we weren't the person the hierarchical leader who made every decision, but as you give the employees a voice and you give them autonomy, a leader's role becomes a coach and a leader's role becomes a facilitator and a leader's role becomes a conduit of information, but we don't have to be the the, the, the single decision makers in all this. And those two things, just b- continuing to, to dig deeper and deeper in those two areas really made a huge difference for our company. What about sort of roadblocks? You've kind of got... Who was the harder group to sort of convince or get on board uh, to sort of take you down this path? Was it the managers group who had to kind of put aside some of their tried and true ways or habits um, and and get them to start thinking differently, um, as you said, their view of leaderships? Or was it the employees to actually get them to a point where they actually started to believe that what you were talking about, putting them first, was in fact real? I I think for us, it was the leaders. I think when you think about leaders and you think about what they value in their job and what they believe their job is about, it's about being the expert. It's about being uh, the decision maker and beginning to get them to see that there's another way of leadership was a really difficult task. And, and, and you shouldn't go into this thinking that there's, there, you're not going to lose people. So we lost about a third of the leaders in the first four or five years we did this because they didn't want to make the change of, of where leadership was being taken. And so, it was, so we ended up spending a lot of time on leadership development and, and, division, and creating the vision of what we wanted and, and really training the leaders on what we needed from them. And there was casualties along the way, people who didn't, either didn't believe in what we were saying or didn't want to make the changes. And over time, you, you will have to decide, or we had to decide, that, that we had to, uh, to part with some of our leaders. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, what you're talking about, you're a real change champion. So tell us, you know, how do you, how do you successfully take people through such dramatic change? We understand we lost a few people on the way, but it sounds like you, you kept a lot of good people as well. So was there anything that you did 
that helped them through that. Because even though they might have made it, I'm sure there was some uh, a couple of dark days or a couple of moments where even they challenged or at least questioned what you were doing and what you were taking them through. Yeah, I, I think my suggestion for everyone, and it's the approach we used, is is we made it an evolution. We made it a journey. We didn't create a master plan, a two-year plan where we're going to get this done. We just began to run the company this way a little bit more every year. And so one of our core values, uh, besides putting people first, the second most important core value is continuous improvement. So we slowly increased engagement. We slowly moved towards a more people-centric culture. And we slowly worked with leaderships over a period of probably five to six years before we started getting recognition from the outside and in and, and, and the awards that, you, that you've mentioned earlier. And so it's a, it's a long journey, and it's, it's realizing that, that some of the employees will struggle with, it, with, with a new vision, and a lot of the leaders will struggle with this kind of leadership, and just working with them day in and day out. And over time, people see, began to see how powerful it was and began to change. And, and so time is... is is, is your, your friend in this. You need to keep working on it, but you need to really be diligent in working on it, which is why I think a lot of companies struggle to start it, is they think it's a program, and it's not. It's really a way to run your business. Yeah, I know. You, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, this is how we approach the culture hacker. We just slowly, slowly start to manipulate the mechanisms to make people feel good. You would love, Kevin, I, uh, we, we work, with, work, work with an organization, and as we started to sort of, you know, start to work with them and look what had happened, uh, we found that one of the senior executives had uh, recently just sent out a video where he basically told the whole organization, uh, you know, I think five, 6,000 people, that their culture was broken, everything was wrong, and that they better be prepared for change. Um, so you can imagine how that went down, but what you're talking about is like exactly the opposite. Don't make such a big deal and start getting people all worked up have that slow, steady, methodical approach to what you're doing to get ultimately the success that you've obviously uh, enjoying today. Yeah, absolutely. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're making the change in very small, small pieces. And, and it's the big changes that I think people react negatively to. You know, all change creates fear, all change creates worry in our employees and our leaders. But by saying this is how we're going to continue to do things, and that doesn't mean everything changes day one, but we can continue to work at it, uh, worked very well with us. And throughout the, uh, pr- the journey, the one thing we measured was, you know, consistently was turnover. And turnover went down every year for the, 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 the first seven. And the goal was to lower turnover. And as we lowered, lower turnover, our financial results went up, our growth percentages went up every year. And it, and it began to gain momentum uh, through the years, but it was a long-term approach we took. Fantastic. So I got to ask you, so, you know, there's lots of mechanisms that you sort of approach. I'm fascinated, you know, top 125 training organizations is a pretty impressive sort of record. Uh, you're number three on that list. So tell me, how? what's your approach to training and how has that played a big part in this transition by, in, in some ways, creating this amazing learning organization? Yeah, I think for us, it was it was when we stopped focusing learning and developing on, on job training and really started to focus on people training and cultural training. And so part of our onboarding process, for example, is to bring every new employee to our home office in Salt Lake City. We have seven locations across the United States. And for a week, 
it's really all about cultural training. What, as a company, are we about? There's time with executives. We do uh, work out in the community with these new employees to, to, to show that we have this making a difference you know, identity out in the community. And it's really about helping people see that, that we are a cultural-driven company. That's, and then they go back to their offices and they go back to their desks and they go back to their teams and learn the job. And so much of training, I believe, focuses on job training because you want to get a specific ROI number. Cultural training is really hard to measure that way, except for you begin to align people with the same belief system. And so that's a, a really good example of when we started doing that, Think of an employee on their first day flies to the home office and meets the CEO or the senior vice president, and they talk about how important they are to the organization, how culture is important, how we, we value their voice. It sets a tone for the first year, which is often the first, the hardest year of employment, that they're so excited to go back and help us in, in the job piece that they get up to speed quicker and they stay longer and their engagement goes up. So, you know, you've mentioned these values and you said right from day one, Tell me, you know, the values you, you've pulled right down. We, we go to so many organizations. We work with companies. Everybody says they have these values, you know, and often they're, uh, you know, <laughs> they're this big sort of load. It's a piece of paper on a wall or they have 30 values and priorities. And it, it, it kind of seems all over the place. You seem you've got, I think, five values and you, and you pull them through right from day one. You make sure that that is the main thing. Tell me, how else throughout the organization do these values sort of appear? Um, wh where do you find them? How do, how do you keep them alive so that everybody's living and breathing them every day? Yeah, so I, I think the best companies of cultures are also good storytelling companies. And so we pull in every story we tell and every communication to the employees, we use the language of core values. We talk about we are honoring or recognizing this employee because they're putting people first. We have an award based on, on putting people first or continuous improvement. We talk and we train uh, employees on why quality and making quality placements for, uh, for our providers helps not only us as a company, but helps the patients. And so we make emotional connections for all the core values in our trainings, in our communications, in our stories, in our traditions. Uh, and, and even in our performance management system, so leaders are actually rated on how they live the core values. Employees are actually given feedback on living the core values. So it's about aligning all your systems, your HR systems, around the values you want to, that, that you, you aspire to be or your spouse to be in your organization. Fantastic. So let, let's kind of talk on to it because I, I got to ask you about this. You know, a uh, top place for millennials to uh, work at. We, we come across it all the time. Everybody's complaining about our millennials. And quite honestly, they haven't even got to the Zs yet, which, which uh, may be a whole sort of new program. But first of all, I'm sick of hearing people complain about them because at the end of the day, like every generation before us, we've had a responsibility that we grow the future leaders. It sounds like what you've done is that you've really made a committed effort. And again, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, to bring your young people, people that are new to the organization. But tell us, how do you get recognized? What are the millennials, what do you think they love most about you? And why have you sort of made sort of this effort to appeal to such a wide group of professional demographics? Yes, yeah, so I think it goes back to our central 
idea of putting people first. And if you really dissect putting people first, it's not putting groups of people first. It's putting each individual person first. And so all our leaders are trained to dialogue and talk to people on an individual basis. And once you get anyone on an individual basis, and as leaders and as a company, we're willing to talk about what values an individual have, what are they looking for in a job, what are they looking for in a career, what would they like the culture to be, then you're playing right into what the millennials want. And what you hear millennials want is they want a voice. They want to, they want to be part of the process. And so we've actually never really consciously thought about any, or any, any group. We don't think about Zs. We don't think about millennials. What we think is we have to make a personal connection with each individual employee and understand what they want and then, and then see if we could provide it as a culture. And what the millennials have done and the next generation disease after that will do is they will slowly change our culture to be more what, to what they are looking for because more and more of our employees will become, will be in that group. And so it's interesting. I, um, we don't really worry about generations. We just keep talking to our employees. Uh, that's amazing and, su- and such great uh, insight. Let me ask you, you guys do a lot of work in the community. How, how has that involvement in the community really you know, put a stamp on your culture or had an impact in a positive way? Yeah, so for, for many, many years, you know, we, we worked really hard to make a difference to our employees, and we knew that made a difference to our customers. And, and, and several years ago, although we did work in the community, we started thinking about how lucky we were as an organization, how lucky we were as employees, and wouldn't that be wonderful if we began to share that more with the communities? And so we made a, a conscious effort to say, our purpose is to make a difference to not only our employees, not only our customers, but in the communities where we work and, and, and live. And so we began to do more and more and, and give each of our employees an opportunity to do more in the community. For example, each employee gets eight hours of volunteer time off a year at this point to go out in the community. They can do anything they want, any kind of community work, uh, just to get to, to make sure they understand they can go out to the communities. We want them out in the communities. And so we, we, we do a lot of work with that. We do a lot of team events out, out in the communities. Uh, and it could be a wide range of things. And then we will continue over the next several years to build to do more and more bigger projects in healthcare and in, in, in areas where we're, we're working in, and we, so we made a we've made a commitment to to not only be a great company for our employees and our customers, but also for the community in general. And we'll work just similar to to, to the to the culture. We will work it, at it over the next several years to, to kind of continue to grow it and continue to make it more impactful. Kevin, as I said, you're doing some amazing work out there. As our listeners are kind of out there, I really urge you to get onto the CHG Healthcare uh, website. It's chghealthcare.com. Please go onto the website, go onto the tabs, and learn about the culture. They've got blogs, they've got videos, they've got so many fantastic examples uh, of what they're doing to bring the culture to, to life. Uh, Kevin, it just seems one of the things that you do is that you just celebrate all these things that, uh, you know, really sort of typifies what makes your culture excellent. Is that idea of celebration, whether it's in a small or large way, just sort of the icing on the cake? Yeah, I, I think you, you do it to, to, to create an experience for the employees, and part of, part of any experience is celebration. And so we do celebrations. Uh, we've calculated we do two parties a, year, a day <laughs> at CHG. 
uh, you know, somewhere so you're a party in, in our planner. company. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, we have a we have a large team of events planners who who do do nothing but events, and it's just another way to to celebrate kind of the success we're having as a company and the success we've had in building a culture and and really make sure we continue to appreciate our employees. Well, listen, Kevin, great work out there, a real inspirational story, and I urge all of our listeners, head out there again, chghealthcare.com, check it out, there's lots of great stuff there. We've got Kevin Rickliffs here, Senior Vice President of Talent Management. Kevin, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. I know you've got a lot of parties to plan, so we'll let you get back to it. But just thanks for sharing your story. And everybody out there, if you get a chance to see Kevin, uh, he, again, he's out there at some conferences. He's out there uh, speaking and, and spreading the word. Great person to have an opportunity to listen to. Kevin, thanks very much for joining us on Culture Hacker. I appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. All right. Well, uh, listen, take care and keep doing some great stuff out there in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, thank you. All right, so next up here on Culture Hacker, we've got an exciting interview. We're going to talk a little technology. I've got Ray Tenenbaum from Great Highs, and he's going to tell us all about their candidate interview experience platform. Ray, how are you doing today? Doing great, Shane. How are you? Good. Fantastic. Listen, thanks for joining us on Culture Hacker. Very excited to hear a little about what you've got going on because I understand that you're uh, doing pretty well on the award circuit. Just to kind of uh, let everyone know what's going on, Entrepreneur Magazine has ranked uh, Great Highs as one of the most brilliant companies to follow here in 2016. They actually got ranked number two in the business tool section. That's pretty cool. And I've got some insider information that HR Examiner is going to rank them one of the top HR products here for 2016. So this platform they've got going on is pretty exciting. So Ray, congratulations. It sounds like you're doing something well. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, we're uh, our PR department's doing a good job uh, getting our name out there. Well, listen, let's get start from the beginning. What did you see out there in the marketplace that was the real catalyst for getting this interviewer platform out, up and running? Yeah, so like kind of most entrepreneurs, uh, you know, the whole idea for great hire stemmed from a real life experience. Uh, a few years ago, I was interviewing at one of the large technology companies in Silicon Valley, and um, I got in there through a connection and then was asked to come in and interview for a job. Unfortunately, they never actually told me what the job was. So I went in there as being asked questions about how I would handle certain situations, but didn't know anything about what the job description was, what the responsibilities were, anything like that. And of course, I didn't end up getting the job. And I asked them, could you at least send me the job description now that I you know, I'm not even being in consideration for it. And so th that was the idea of then, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I can't be the only one who's struggling with kind of knowing exactly what to expect when they show up for their interview day. And that's kind of what stemmed uh, a lot of the uh, beginnings of great hires of really creating a great experience, both for the candidate and for the hiring teams uh, around their interview day. So let me get this straight. So as a candidate, this platform really sets, helps and sets me up for success. But tell me from the other side, then what do companies get out of uh, candidates being ready to blow their socks off. Yeah, so I mean, this is all around hiring success. It's a great experience for candidates and a great experience for hiring teams. So, you know, on the candidate side, kind of as I mentioned, it's information about the company, the job, the people, uh, giving them backgrounds on the people that they're going to meet with, and also just giving feedback about their experience. So, having better prepared candidates is obviously great for the hiring team because they, the hiring team, wants to know people are excited about joining the organization, as well as you know, the the tool 
gives the, all the information that uh, the interviewers need about the candidate ahead of time, also kind of on their phone or whatever device. So it's really around that hiring success for both sides and increasing transparency so that both sides are making great choices about which company or, or which job to take. So I can see why this uh, platform is going to be in great demand. So walk me through them from both sides. Exactly what does the platform do? It sounds like you've got a lot of great things going on simultaneously in terms of organizing both the candidate and the interviewers to have a great interaction. So tell me, what, what's happening on both sides? Yeah, so our flagship product is called you know, the Great Hires Candidate App. Um, and it's all around improving the candidate-specific interview experience. So what happens is, you know, we, we do a lot with large companies. And so what would happen is the recruiting coordinator would put, put together all the information and all the uh, details for a, a candidate's on-site interview experience. And when that was all ready, including setting up the interview schedule, they would send a notification, which can be sent by either email or text to the candidate, saying, hey, we're looking forward to seeing you at such and such a location. And to learn more about the, the, the details for your interview day, click here. And what it does is since it's a web-based app, um, it opens up the browser of whichever device they're on, whether it's a phone, a tablet, or a desktop, and they can see all the information about the company, uh, background on the company. You can include anything, you know, like culture videos or, you know, your, your uh, annual report. Uh, details about the job, such as the latest version of the job description, um, as well as the, a real-time version of the interview schedule so that they can see who they're going to interview with as well as their background. So we link uh, each interviewer's uh, background with their LinkedIn profile, and then interviewers can add additional information like their Twitter account or their blog. And then lastly, uh, the when their interview day is done, the candidate gets asked to submit feedback about their interview experience. And especially, you know, one key question, which is, hey, if you didn't have a chance to tell us anything during your interview day, now's your chance to tell us, as well as, you know, net promoter score and other kind of details about the feedback. And, and so this is really around, you know, once again, increasing the transparency and really making a great on-site candidate interview experience. Sounds like it takes a lot of stress out for the interview candidate because you've got all the information in one space. So if they kind of mess it up, it really is on them, yes? Um, well, it's a two-way street, right? So, you know, the candidate can't say that they didn't have the information or they weren't prepared. But at the same time, usually what happens on the candidate side, it, it generates more questions. Hey, I saw information about this. I want to learn more about that. So they're coming in with a level of knowledge, which is um, much higher than, than a typical candidate would be coming in with, given that they don't need to start hunting and pecking around different sources just to ca capture all that information. As well as, you know, these candidates these days with, you know, unemployment rates below 5%, they got lots of options and they want can't they want to be wowed by companies and that's one of the real big selling points to to our clients which are, are the companies around hey you want to show candidates that you're you're a, you're on top of things you you're you're really around wanting to bring in these candidates to your company and you're going to sell them hard and one of the ways is impressing them with you know the interviewing process because a lot of candidates see the interviewing process as being a good leading indicator of what it's going to be like to work at that company you know you're so right selection is now one of those catalysts and sort of ground zeros for culture and the whole experience that someone has now you said it's your client is the company so it's not candidates so talk to me what does a company now get out of it what does it look like 
from the recruiter's side that this platform makes, how does it make their life easy? Yeah, so our number one end user on kind of the company side is the recruiting coordinator at large companies, where you know a lot of these larger companies, they break out the recruiter role from the recruiting coordinator. The recruiting coordinator is responsible for um, not only interview scheduling, but information dissemination and collection across the entire hiring team and the candidate. And our, our whole raison d'etre is to make their life easier, better, and more successful. And the recruiting coordinator is responsible for setting up the job within our system and then um, contacting, obviously, the interviewers, but using our tool and our platform to make the interview scheduling a lot easier than using you know, just regular Outlook Exchange. And then once all the RSVPs are in and the full schedule is ready, they're responsible for um, you know, sending up the information to the candidate and doing that coordination with the candidate during the interview day. And then a lot of these, uh, a lot of our clients also use the hiring team solution, which is uh, to help collect information from the interviewers, getting feedback about the candidate. And our tool really helps automate a lot of that, uh, a lot of that um, uh, feedback collection uh, on behalf of the recruiting coordinator or the recruiter. So it sounds like you're going to save some time. So really from the recruiting coordinator, we, we, we're saving some time. But I'm fascinated by this feedback role because you make it sound like, you know, feedback happens all the time. Many times in the interview process, an organization doesn't get feedback from ca candidates, obviously the ones that they didn't select. So how does that information or how is that impacting maybe the future of selection or how companies are adjusting their selection process in the future? Yeah, so, you know, the two key um, kind of benefits that we see when, when our clients are calculating kind of the ROI around our solution is really, A, hiring success. Are you, are you making great hires around this? Um, and the second piece of it is what are they telling their friends after their interview day? Um, and, and are they changing their, if it's a consumer oriented business, are they changing their behavior about buying your product afterwards? So not only do you want hiring success, you also want them to be referring the company to your, their friends, or at least not negatively referring. So it's the traditional kind of net promoter score, which we collect within the feedback, um, form, uh, from candidates. Um, and as well as, you know, if, if, uh, if you're Starbucks and you're interviewing a candidate who is a Starbucks uh, um, consumer, you know, you do not want to be upsetting them because you're going to lose that lifetime value of that candidate uh, if they, they do not have a great experience. So there's really some real tangible benefits in terms of quality of hire, as well as some other secondary benefits of referring other potential hires to the company, as well as just basic simple stuff like lost revenue. And there's a lot of research around if you don't give can treat candidates well in a consumer or into business, it can affect your bottom line. You know what? I love this. In Kolchak, we talk so much about this, you know, the reputation of the the employee experience. So what you're really pointing to is that you're elevating that employee experience. And even if somebody doesn't end up working for them, that experience is something that stands out in their mind and something that they get to tell, talk about, tell their friends about. So you're creating in an interview process, maybe a story worth telling. That's pretty cool. And on top of that, you know, the, uh, they don't even need to tell their friends. They just need to go onto Glassdoor and post about their experience. Hey, we, we all know how uh, beneficial that could be or negatively if it goes the other way. So listen, I, I'm excited and I've seen the app. I've seen the software. Tell us, give us an example, a business case 
where this is actually happening, working today, and maybe some of the uh, benefits or uh, sort of go through again some of the benefits that this company's seen. Who do you, who do you want to talk about? Sure. So um, I'll use the example that we used at the uh, HR Tech Conference last year. Um, when we were presenting at the awesome new startup session, um, one of our clients last year was Intuit, and they were using this with the hiring team, our tool with the hiring team. And they specifically were using the tool to collect feedback from the interviewers in real time when a candidate was in on site. So the example which we gave was a, the first candidate came in, all the interviewers interviewed the candidate and said, we're, we're going to decline, but here are the reasons why. So the hiring manager looked at their phone, saw what the feedback was, and instead of spending a full hour with the candidate interviewing them, he spent 20 minutes giving the exact feedback as to why they were not going to move forward with the candidate, and then both the interviewer and the candidate got 40 minutes of their lives back. Second candidate came in, half the interviewers said yes, half of them said no. Once again, the details uh, explicit within explained in the tool. And the hiring manager then spent for the full hour drilling down on those areas of concern from the team and then decided not to move forward with them. And then finally, the third candidate came in, all the interviewers said yes. The hiring manager looked at his phone before taking the candidate out to lunch saw that everybody said yes, then made an offer on the spot to the candidate. So this is a great example of, you know, uh, a, a kind of well-known company using our tool in real time to make adjustments and, and make a decision and, and decrease the, the time to offer for a candidate, uh, thanks to our tool. Listen, I love the efficiency, I, again, already stands out. But what really blows me away about that story is the fact that you're actually able to take some time to talk to a potential candidate about why not. I mean, again, in this sort of, you, you've used transparency a couple of times, authenticity, that really is quite powerful to say that an organization is actually taking some time to invest in a candidate who was not successful, but setting them up and maybe giving them some clues or insights on how to get their next job. That's pretty cool. Yeah, in fact, Intuit is, is pretty adamant about uh, having a very strong net promoter score of uh, candidates that they're going to decline. And they really want to go out of their way to make sure not only they're getting the feedback as to why they weren't moving forward, but actually, you know, they, they want to include them in their talent network so they may refer their friends. Or a lot of times what happens with many companies that we deal with is it's right person, wrong rule. And so how do you keep them engaged and still think positively about, about their, the employer brand that they're, they're engaging with? Again, just hearing that kind of idea that a company is focused on the satisfaction of people that they aren't going to hire. And again, in today's world, when we think about culture, here we are, and it's a great example that culture isn't just about the people that are working there, but it's about the people that don't work there yet still are a part of that story and the reputation out there in the marketplace. That's amazing. And no surprise, uh, Intuit consistently scores in one of the top great places to work, you know, by Fortune magazine. Well, again, you can, you can certainly say why. Listen, I, I love it. So our listeners out there are going to want to see this. What's the best and easiest way to get uh, an example or a download or a demo of what you're talking about? To see this, I think really brings it to life. Yeah, the two easiest ways to kind of see a demo is if you go to the Great Hires website, which is uh, greathires.co. So just to be clear, it's not .com, it's greathires.co. Um, there's a demo request form right on the front page that you can just fill out. Um, or if uh, folks on the podcast want to email me directly, my email address is Ray. R-A-Y at greathires.co. That's those are the two easiest ways. Perfect. I say everybody hit Ray up. Again, great guy. Ray, listen, thank you so much. I'm loving what you guys are doing out there. It really fits with our whole philosophy that you can have an impact in one part of the culture that has such a resounding sort of lasting effect 
throughout the organization. So listen, congratulations. I know you're getting a lot of accolades out there, so you're doing something really well. Uh, again, great hires as a company based out of the Silicon Valley. Check them out if you're wanting to really make a difference in the interviewing process, and more importantly, start to understand how your selection process could get better and improve in the future. Great, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Shane, thank you so much for having me. All right, cheers, bye. Take care. So as we finish up today's Culture Hacker podcast, let's talk a little bit about selection. Of course, Ray just gave us some great insights about how to make that interviewer experience that much better. But on your side, ask yourself, is the selection process truly robust enough to get the best people through the door and more importantly, selected? This is the one time where I suggest you just slow down. It's not about getting warm bodies, it's about getting the right bodies. And that starts with some very simple ideas. First of all, focus as much on culture fit as job fit. Job fit means they've got the skills, they've got maybe the experience you're looking for. But ultimately, once they've got some of these basic elements covered, you need to make sure they're gonna be a fit for your team and your organization. And that's where some behavioral-based questions around your values are so very, very critical. Listen, it's just as important for someone to deselect themselves in the interview process than it is 60, 90 days later when they realize that the culture in the company is just not a good fit for them. So really make sure that they understand what sort of culture, what sort of expectations you have of them and the organization. One of the things I like to do is the group interviews. Get your employees to interview any potential candidates. There's a couple of reasons that this makes a lot of sense. First of all, again, if your employees are part of the interview process and you select a person or you select them because they recommend them, this is great because then your employees have some buy-in to actually help that person be set up for success. The other thing is, is that you also get to kind of challenge and test the interviewer a little bit. By putting them in front of multiple people in a short amount of time with different questions, you can kind of put a little bit of informal pressure on them. See if they're still smiling, see if they're still at the top of the game, and you're making sure that there's not any inconsistencies amongst the answers that they're given. One of the things that we do in the Culture Hacker book is give you a interview scorecard where each of your employees get to rate them on the different values or the different expectations and you kind of get a collective score. That way you remove some of the biases and some of the prejudices that whether we like it or not often comes into the interview process. The other thing I like to do is think about some activities. What sort of activities that capture what your culture and value are all about can you include into this early stage? I love what they do at Lego. Of course, they get potential interviewees, uh, potential hires to actually go through a whole exercise of creating something uh, with Lego. Now, this isn't just about having fun with a toy. This is about seeing about their creativity, about seeing how well they work together as a team, all of the which are very important values to the organization. So think, is there an activity that would fit for you? But most importantly, remember, when you're interviewing someone, you gotta be organized and you gotta be welcoming. Remember, these people are coming in and that's part of your brand. You don't want them walking away disrespected, disgruntled, frustrated with you over the interview process. So get yourself organized, be well planned. Make sure you're not bringing people back for interviews on multiple days. If the experience for someone is bad, one, they're probably not going to come on board with you, even if you really want them to do so. But more importantly, your reputation as an interviewer, as a place uh, to go and work will be damaged. 
And that's all part of this whole idea about reprogramming the employee experience. It starts in the interview process. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on Culture Hacker today. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to Kevin, listening to Ray, and picking up on some insights from myself. Shane Green, Culture Hacker, it's about reprogramming your organization code. The book comes out April 24th, published out by Wiley, so uh, look out for it. We've got lots of great insights, ideas, uh, examples in there about how you can reprogram your company code. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again soon.